Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're going to do a little Sixers talk right now with one of my favorite people in the uh, Sixers community. And if you want to keep up with them, well, let's, let's get them on here. Seamus Clancy is joining the show. Seamus, how you doing? Vince, my man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Happy to talk some Sixers with you. And uh, Seamus, the Sixers, I mean, they just lost to the Warriors on the road. What the hell is going on there? I mean, that's one of the worst teams in the NBA. Watching that Golden State team, it reminded me of watching the process era Sixers with the ton of G League talent that was just running around. They have guys on multiple 10-day contracts. That just wasn't an NBA team. And I get that Ben Simmons isn't there, Joel Embiid isn't there, and your ceiling's limited when Tobias Harris is your best player on the court. That's embarrassing. Yeah. No, it's it, embarrassing is the word. And Brett Brown said it was a missed opportunity for them. But it, it's far deeper than that, right? Like, this road trip and the Sixers and where they've been, it's its beyond missed opportunities. This team is just downright dysfunctional. Yeah, they, especially with, as I said, Joe and Ben out, they need to be stacking as many easy wins as possible when the East is so tight right now. They're what, uh, a game and a half, two games and a half back from Miami. They're only a, from uh, Indiana, and then Miami's in the fourth seed. They're not going to be catching them now, especially, again, with Joe and Ben out. And – as things don't change right now, they're looking at a first-round series against Boston, and that series isn't even going to make it six or seven games, I don't think, with the way they're playing right now. And, again, who even knows if Ben will be back this year, if Joel will be back for the last week of the season and still won't be himself come playoff time. There's no guarantee that the Calvary is on their way to come save this season, to come save Brett Brown's shots, maybe even save Elton Brand's shots. Yeah, and, and that's part of the problem here. We're talking with Seamus Clancy from the From Broad Street with Love newsletter. So, Seamus, I'm glad you mentioned Brett Brown and Elton Brand. When you look at Elton Brand here, it's pretty reasonable to believe that he should be fired after this season, no? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a complete failure if he's still here come the next fall, the start of next season. And I just don't think he had – he's in way over his head. I don't think he should have been hired GM as general manager to begin with. He's a great guy. He's a great front face for this team, for this organization that cares deeply about optics, that cares about how the fan base views them. And Ellen, again, is a nice guy. Players loved him. He's just, you know, stopped playing here in 2016 when he came back for one last year. 
And he just w- was way in over his head. He had zero NBA front office experience. He spent a year as the GM of the then Delaware 87ers, which is essentially a joke. That's nothing more than a, you know, a public relations job when you're the general manager of a G League team. And now he's in a position where he's traded away, you know, several of the team's best assets outside of Joe and Ben for Tobias Harris, who, while he's played well without Joe and Ben the last five games, he has 26-7-4. and four. But your ceiling is limited when Tobias is your best player. They gave up Robert Covington, Dario Sharks, or Jimmy Butler. He's no longer here. Gave a massive contract to Tobias to keep him here since they gave so much up for him. They didn't want him to walk. They don't want to have that bad look for the organization. And the ultimate nail in the coffin for Elton Brand, unfortunately, even as a guy who played here for a long time, he had injuries in his career. That defined him. And then he came back with a productive player at the end of that contract in Philly. But ultimately, he'll be remembered for that Al Horford contract. And I don't want him to be the guy in charge of getting the team off that deal come this summer. I have no faith in him to win a trade. Has he ever won a trade as the Sixers general manager? It's a hell of a question, and I, I can't think of anything that he's definitively won, and he's made very big-time aggressive trades, which I get, and I have no problem with him doing that, but they it. didn't work. Yeah, like, yeah, you respect it, but they got to work. Now, by the way, we're talking with Seamus Clancy on the Swartz Culleton guest line, so let me ask you this, Seamus. If you fire Elton Brand after the season and you get somebody else, you have to at least get in the process of hiring somebody else for this job, how appealing is the Sixers job? See, at, at the end of the day, still, all we talk about is how dysfunctional a team is, how disappointing they are, how far they've come from reaching the expectations the national media had for them, the local media had for them, how the fan base had for them. They still have two star players, one who is a top 10 guy, another guy who's probably a top 20-ish guy. And how many teams around the league can you really say that? The Nets just fired their head coach. Yesterday, Kenny Atkinson. They have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, again, two superstar-like players, you know, a top-five guy, and then another top-20-ish guy. Those are two jobs. Those are probably two of the most marquee head coaching openings we've seen in the league in some time. And I could see a situation where Kenny Atkinson comes here, and maybe I don't want to say Brett Brown goes to Brooklyn, but it's going to be one of the two most attractive jobs in the market. You know, teams are used to having new head coaches come into these losing team cultures, these rebuild situations, that's not going to be the case in Philly. They're looking for the coach to take them over the top. Brett Brown was there the entire developmental curve, the entire beginning of the process era, the beginning of Joe and Ben playing together. And Brett's a great guy. Brett's a nice guy, and he's been dealt a bad head at times. But it's probably best for all parties to kind of split up and do something different. Yeah, and you mentioned Kenny Atkinson, who did just get fired from the the Nets, and naturally people are going to wonder about Atkinson's fit here. So how do you think that would play out? I mean, I think he has excellent basketball acumen. He played, or I should say he coached super well without these two-star players over the last several years. We forget how dire the Nets situation was just a half decade ago in the aftermath of that disaster that was that you know, trade with the Celtics where they gave up so many future picks and pick swaps for the decaying corpses of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And Atkinson was helped them tread water. And, you know, they had their own sort of version of the process where they were picking up young guys, undervalued players on good contracts. And Atkinson was able to coach them the respectable records, even though they had, you know, no semblance of real upward high-end starters or even any star talent at all. Yeah, so... Let's go back to the Sixers now because they do have all of this high-end talent, right? Like, can you believe 
that is there an avenue? Because for me, I'm just so incredibly, overwhelmingly pessimistic at this point. Is there a case to be made that this talent, these stars, as Embiid and Simmons get healthy, that they can rally here and actually win a couple of playoff series? I mean, at the end of the day, outside of the Milwaukee series, it seems they could have the best player on the court in any of those games in Joel. And feasibly, in a lot of those series, they might be even be able to say on a given night, not you know over the duration of the whole series, but on a given night, between Ben and Joel, they could have the two best players on the court. And the NBA is such a you know roller coaster. There's so many ups and downs and you know, Joel's off one night because he's tired or he's out of shape or his conditioning's poor. Ben isn't feeling it one night. But in the playoffs, everything is so magnetized and magnified that you're just going to get the best out of them on those nights, not the way that they would be kind of goofing off or you see these, you know, lulls in the middle of the season that it's, you know, reasonable that on any given night in the playoffs, you know, they could have, again, the best two players in the court. So we're talking with Seamus Clancy, who runs the newsletter from Broad Street with Love. Now let me ask you about this, Seamus, because I do wonder and worry about Embiid because he has the injury, right? And now he's missing a couple of weeks of basketball. One, when is he coming back? But two, how long do you think it'll take him to get into that playoff shape, which has been such a consistent nagging issue for Embiid? I think you just hit the key right there, that – there's always an issue. It seems no matter when he's playing, no matter what point in the, se- the season it is, over the course of his entire, I guess, active career, if you're not counting the first two years that he was in Philadelphia, that he's either hurt or in the process of getting himself back into game shape because of the time off for an injury. There never seems to be a period where he's consistently played where he's actually, we have some semblance of idea of what, game-shaped Joel Embiid is going to be because that's what happened in, you know, the 2018 playoff series. He had that weird issue where Markel Fultz, of all people, ran into him, had a broken bone in his face, and then he missed a couple of the first games against Miami that year in the first round. And then in the Boston series where they were upset because Boston was out without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward in five games, that mask plagued Embiid the whole time, and his conditioning was off because he missed time and you know, I think it really affected his sight and almost conditioning and be able to being able to breathe then. And it just always seems like, oh, we just need to give Joe a couple another week or two, another week or two to get him in game shape. But we're running out of weeks to give Joe to get in a game shape. You know, four or five weeks from now, they're gonna be in the middle of a playoff series. So just say he's not coming back this week, it doesn't seem. Maybe he is, but how long is it gonna take him to get that level? that we all assume he can get to in terms of conditioning, not talking about his talent or his play, because even as poor as his conditioning seems at times, he's still a transformative player on the court. And it just keeps you wondering, you know, how high is the potential for him? What's the ceiling for a team that has him as their best player? And will he actually reach that given the constant nagging injuries and more so than the injuries, the conditioning issues that ensue from that, that, still hang around long after the injury may have subsided. Yeah, and it's frustrating because part of it is they signed Horford with the idea that it would help keep Embiid healthy, right? Like you could have Embiid off the court for a lot of minutes. You could load manage. Horford would come in and play center, and that's just it's another uh, effect of Horford and, and how bad the whole thing's worked out. Yeah, you're thinking, and, you know, my thinking last summer, I, I sold myself on, and I, I, you know, I bought into Allen's plan. I'm thinking, 
you know, Al has shown an ability to play the four throughout his career, and I get that he's aging and you kind of have to slide up positionally as you get older, but, you know, it's the perfect recipe for, you know, the Joel Embiid load management plan. Give Joe, you know, every third, fourth, fifth game off. Let Al start, you know, you cut Joe's minutes in half before, you know, last season he was one of the highest minutes per game player in the center position. And you're thinking, like, maybe you could keep him to 28, 30 minutes per game now because you have Al, because you have, you know, Kylo Quinn as your third center, because maybe you could play Ben at the five sometimes. And all these contingency plans that were put in place to help Joel haven't been there on top of him still not being, you know, consistently healthy and consistently in great shape. So last question for you, Seamus, and we're talking with Seamus Clancy from Broad Street with Love. Uh, Playoff minutes for Al Horford. I mean, really, what kind of role can you expect him to have? I mean, in an ideal situation where they have that, you know, they benched him, but then that kind of gets thrown completely out of whack with the injuries to not only Ben and Joe, but Josh Richardson too. But if you're assuming those guys are healthy, my playoff starting lineup would be Shake Milton. I think he's proved himself to be the best traditional guard in the team at point guard or the off-ball guard, whatever you want to say, alongside Ben Simmons, then Josh, Tobias, and Joel. And, you know, that just leaves Al as a guy who, you know, you play him with Ben sometimes where he allows you to run the break. You could do some pick-and-pop stuff with him. Or, you know, what's really his role? What is he going to do? Is he going to be out there dominating second units as this, you know, this post-player bully ball guy, no, that's not his game. And he has more of a passive role in the court offensively. And as we've seen, either with Joe or without Joe, Joe he hasn't been the defensive player. The Sixers fan base and Elton Brand and the organization assumed they were getting last summer. The way he, you know, even if his shot isn't falling, you would assume that he could still hang his hat on being a fantastic defender who could not only protect the rim, but at times, play on the perimeter and he hasn't shown the ability to do either of those things outside of that one great performance on Christmas day against the Bucks. So I'm just left wondering, you know, what does he even do? It's like the, it's like an office space. What do you do here? What is he going to do? (laughs) And the playoffs, even when he's matched up against coaches like Eric Spolstra or Brad Stevens. (sighs) It's exciting times, isn't it? Seamus. It's fun to be a Sixers fan right now. Exciting as I assumed it would be six months ago. Yeah. We're here. You know, get me to a playoff series, game one. I'll talk myself into anything. <laughs> well, good luck with that. That's Seamus Clancy I'm from sure Broad Street with Love. I'm sure flames within five minutes. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm talking myself into the Phillies now, but it's spring training. Oh, so am I. Yeah, oh, so you, you're doing that too, right? It's like, it's like, hey, they got some things going on. They could be fun. They could, they could win a couple more games than we think. But for the Sixers, man, I mean, I just can't find anything positive. Yeah, I, I went to my first Flyers game in like half a dozen years last week just because I needed to watch a competent Philadelphia sports team. Yeah, uh, thank God for the Flyers, man. And Seamus, always appreciate a couple of minutes, man. It's been fun. Thanks, Vince. Appreciate having me on. Yep. Take it easy. You too. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.